in this week's episode of ND Vision. The year you closed, um, 2018. You, yeah, you yeah. and your wife won Spirit of Wellsville at the. You know, I think you're right. That? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Probably said, oh, good Lord, Shear's going to retire. I guess we better. <laughs> let's give him the Spirit of Wellsville. <laughs> I, my wife, too, she said, what in the heck? You know, but. <laughs> And then uh, he, he said, well, do you want to try singing? And then I said, good God, no, man. I said, my wife told me keep, you never try to sing in the shower because <laughs> it's awful. So, but I remember opening the first cartons of Osaga footwear and the smell of the different smell that came out, like the nylon, rubber, and plastic PVC, you know, like what the soles are made out of, was a totally lightweight like waffly, I mean, waffle weight, just yeah. lightweight soles. I couldn't wait to put a pair on and try to run them. Hello, and welcome to this episode of ND Vision. Um, I'm in the audio studio in Genesee Valley Media Studios today uh, because I'm doing some painting in, in the main video studio. But it's fitting because I have a local celebrity with me, Rich Shear, um, affectionately known as Rich Jagger to some people, um, who is the, <laughs> the lead singer in uh, Steel Door, owner of Hamilton's and, and Ridgewalk coordinator. Absolutely. It's, it's been a full life uh, so far. <laughs> this far, done, you know, I turned 75 this year. No way. Yeah, 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 in July, which is kind of a hallmark. Um, a friend of mine who turned 75 just prior to that said, well, sure, we're entering the fourth quarter of the game, and it's probably going to be the last quarter unless we're called <laughs> no. into overtime. <laughs> So it, it does give you a different perspective when you when you have a Hallmark birthday like that, and you say, "Wow, you know, you really have had full life." And um, you know, because I still feel like I'm young, you know, you for still some reason. Young. And and uh, you just keep on going. Yeah. And and I think that's been the key with uh, with the things that I've happened to have been blessed to have done. And um, keep wanting, you know, keep wanting to inspire yeah. people and just well you do inspire yeah. a lot of people but i do want to i do want to go back though okay i would love for you to tell me i love having guests just kind of tell me about their story and and feel free to start start from the beginning wherever you think it's pertinent sure. to start from your childhood i remember you telling me a story once that when and i'm going to let you go into it more but this just picks up in my mind is when you were Working at Hamilton's as a teenager, you would sneak down to the river during lunchtime, right, to swim. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> After yeah, you'd yeah, run, because yeah, 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 you couldn't yeah. have time to take yeah, a I shower. I tell you that story. Good you Lord. And I didn't even have a drink. I don't think <laughs> I told you that story. I shouldn't let stuff like that out. <laughs> but it was comical. Yeah, I mean, there's when I started, uh, probably my one of my earliest recollections in Hamilton's and was... We always had shipments of, of shoes come in in cardboard boxes. And when I was a kid, my friends and I would go in the shoe store, and my dad was uh, working in there. He was a partner in there at the time with Mr. Hamilton. And uh, the, we'd take the cut-up boxes, and we'd 
make little sleds out of them and bounce down the steps to the cellar. And oh. usually the, the, one of the employees would say, hey, you, you guys are making enough noise. I'll get out of here. You know? but, <laughs> but I mean, th- that's probably the earliest recollection of me fooling around at Hamilton's. And then when who, I was... Who started Hamilton's? Mr. Hamilton came to Wellsville, uh, William Hamilton in 1928. Okay. And started, uh, bought the New House Shoe Company, which is actually where... The Hamilton's built, you know, where Hamilton's existed for the whole 90 years that it was in, in business. And uh, paid rent on it, signed a lease. And my father had, had started working in there in 1927 as a high school student. Okay. And, uh, and so when Mr. Hamilton bought it in 28... He uh, he recognized that my dad really had a lot of ability, knew a lot of people in town. He was only a, a junior in high school at the time. But he uh, took him in and said, Dick, I'd really like to train you to, to how to run this store and uh, hopefully be my partner at yeah. some point in time. So lo and behold, in, in, uh, in 1933, he took my dad in as a partner, as a junior partner. My father's father had passed away when he was 11, when my dad was 11 years old. So okay. it, was, it, it was kind of a blessing that Mr. Hamilton came into his life because my dad was trying to help support his mother, who did baking for Scoville Browns, which was a wholesale grocer or, or a wholesale company here in Wellsville and also had one of the nice grocery stores. So she would bake bread for Scoville and Browns, get up at four o'clock in the morning. And my dad would say, I remember her whistling in the kitchen and I would come out, open my door to the smell of fresh baked bread. Really? The and uh, the Scoville truck would come along and they'd load it up with uh, bread and she'd be paid, of course, and did, I don't know how many days a week, but, but she, my dad said what I loved about my mother is she never wore that work on her face Mm -hmm. to us kids. She was always cheerful in the morning and something that I've always aspired to have tried to been, but, uh, (laughs) I don't think I've ever seen you sad or mad. Well, you know, or so. But, but, but um, she, you know, she, she was a great inspiration for my dad, as well as Mr. Hamilton. Uh, as I said, Hamilton took my dad in. My dad uh, did have to take a hiatus in World War II. He mm-hmm. served, I think, from like 1943 till the end of the war. He was. Did he get drafted? Or? Actually, he was going to be drafted. He was 33. At okay. The time when when he finally went in, and he uh, had had been um, thinking, you know, I mean, at some point in time, I could be drafted, but he was on the older side, and he also had had twin daughters, mm-hmm. so he kind of got out of it for a few years, and then forty three, he was go- they needed more servicemen for the war effort, so my dad uh, enlisted in the navy. Okay, for a couple of years. So he, he just volunteered. Yep, to serve. Essentially, did yeah. But anyhow, uh, then, as I said, I came, uh, I graduated from high school in 1966. Mm -hmm. So your dad had you after he got back from... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I mean, I had me in 1948. Okay, and he had, but you have two... Two younger, older older sisters. sisters. I didn't know that. 43, yeah, and one of them sadly passed away this last uh, March. Oh, man. um, She was one of uh, twins, and... um, 
the other twin is still living in Long Island and okay. very, very active and, and uh, strong-willed, active and... and, uh, and Seems like a strong-willed family. Oh, my gosh, (laughs) yes. Uh, And that's where the stories of, you know, having to... Having to find your place as a sheer family member, you really had to put in many, many other families, I'm sure, the same way. You had to put your defenses up and uh, learn where your part, how how you could survive the rest of the family. Mm-hmm. They all loved you, but we all had our strong egos, yeah, strong wills, you might say, uh, goals. It's, it's super interesting because I just thought that I thought, I mean, I thought that your dad owned it, started it, and right. then you took over. I didn't realize that there was an actual Mr. Hamilton. Oh, yes. That was yeah. more of a fatherly figure to your dad, seemingly. And Mr. Hamilton said, um, I'm going to teach you how to how to do books and, and how to take care of money mm-hmm. uh, because he didn't have a dad that knew how to do that. And, uh, and Mr. Hamilton tried, you know, he certainly passed, my dad passed those strict rules of making sure that you don't borrow money yep. in your business at that time. Uh, don't try to own the whole world at once, just like you said you have done, is reinvested mm-hmm. the money that you've made back into the business and, and make sure that you're, uh, that you're solvent at yeah. all times. Uh, very, very uh, good lessons on, on just how to handle money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if, if Genesee Valley Media ever shuts down, all this equipment is mine. Right. You know, it's not the bank's. It's, and it was the it's same mine. way <laughs> in, it, with Hamilton's with our inventory. We never owed. I mean, we owed for a month or whatever the terms mm. were on the invoices, but you'd never borrowed against what you had invested in the business. We just didn't believe that as a family. And, and it all came from from uh, Mr. Hamilton. Wow. Now, was he still working when you started working? Uh, no. When, he, when did you he, start? He passed he away in 1961, but okay. I uh, cl- clearly remember him. He was a generous man. Um, I was only, uh, what, 13 when he died, something like okay. that. But, but I started working in 19, I'm going to guess probably 1965 as like a junior in high school. I'd go in there and and work with inventory, just cut up shoe boxes, price shoes, mm-hmm. you know, uh, grunt, or, work. Organ, grunt work. <laughs> you nailed it. You know, and uh, uh, certainly janitorial work. Yeah. Uh, they certainly weren't afraid to lay that on <laughs> the young junior in high school. So I started from the ground up and, you know, learned. And my dad wanted to make sure that, that, uh, that, that I learned it from the ground up. I remember when, uh, after I was in college and, uh, uh, I'm going to say I was probably working in college. I'm just trying to think back probably 1968, 69, somewhere in there. I would sit at at my dad's desk in the back room and there were mirrors that showed who was coming in the front door. Mm -hmm. There was a mirror up in the corner of the ceiling where I could look and see who was coming, you know, if yeah. there was a person coming in, you thought you heard a, a noise, you wanted to make sure you were up to wait on them. Well, I was very good at looking in the mirror and looking at somebody that was coming in, and I wasn't the fastest to jump up and wait on them. And my dad noticed that. Mm-hmm. And he said, look at mister. If you don't want to get up and wait on people, you might as well walk right out of here right now and find another job because you're not going to be a good retailer unless you want 
to wait on people yeah. and serve people and treat them like they're coming into your home. He says, you don't sit here in the back room and just expect your, your clerical work to, uh, to take care of that business. You're the face of this shoe store. Yeah. You wear the shoe store and you are, you are representing here what this, what this firm's all about. Mm-hmm. So anyway, it was a, it, that was a valuable lesson. Yeah. I remember that clearly. Customer service still nowadays is, is just massive. Absolutely the most important thing. I can't stress it enough, Nick, mm-hmm. as to how important it is. Uh, as a business owner or an aspiring business owner, to have that relationship with the people, and especially in our digital age where we're so... Very easy to sit and look at the computer, look at figures. I mean, back then we looked at books. I mean, your your ledger books. But today it's very easy to get sucked in with a laptop in the back room and just separate yourself from how the business really runs. And that's your relationship in a small business with your customers. What do you think was, during your time, what do you think was Hamilton's heyday and then when did it start to kind of decline okay well realistically hamilton's heyday was probably from 1945 to i'm going to say 1957 okay the reason i'll say that is post-war as we all kind of know is uh through our education and, and knowledge is that the post-war years were very lucrative for for the United States and rebuilding, mm-hmm. um, you know, servicemen and women coming back to work. Uh, I read a thing about automobiles that 1945, there were like 38,000 automobiles produced. And by 1948, there was something like uh, uh, 1.2 million or something. Yeah. You know, it was astronomical how quickly this country, uh, the, the, you know, the, the gross national product just shot up. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Wellsville was the same way. Wellsville did very well right after the war. And uh, the Sinclair refinery was huge. Yeah. Huge employer at that time. Well, 1950, I'm not sure, it wasn't in 57 that they decided to pull out and go to Houston, Texas, but it was uh, just prior to that. And by 1957, if I'm not mistaken, they had started to pull up roots and move their production to Houston. And was this after the fire? Or that was after the fire, okay. correct. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember when the fire was, for sure. Was, uh, there were two fires. There was one way back, and then there was one in the, in the 50s, too. But yeah, that was a huge blow to Wellsville, a huge blow to the economy in Wellsville and the job market, et cetera, and the Hamiltons. Right. I mean, uh, at that time, my dad would... In, I had not come into the business yet, but he was struggling to make figures that they had made in the, right. er, in the middle 50s, but was still able to grow the business. Mm-hmm. And he was very proud of that, to be able to keep growing the business on an annual basis. And his last few years and my earlier years, we saw a wh- wh- where you could not make the same the same number of parage sales. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say the same money. You were still making good money, but your parage sales were down. 
Now, what it, is peerage? Peerage meaning the, the the number of pairs that you would sell per oh, month. Oh, okay. Okay. Yep. The, the the number of shoes, mm-hmm. your unit sales, whatever yeah. you might want to call it. But they never did recover to back in those in the like the late fifties and early sixties. Okay. And you can feel free to take a drink whenever you, oh, whenever no, no, you need I'm to. I'm fine, yeah. I think I might just pause here and move your mic Certainly. up just slightly. So yeah. You don't have to lean back as far. That's fine. There you go. That's fine. Um, did you notice a change, and it might have been before you started, where, you know, kind of the penny loafers and the dress shoes went more towards the vans and, and Converse and sneaker wise. Oh, yeah. oh, big time. That That's a very good question. I certainly remember clearly when that, uh, how that unfolded. When I was first in the business, and uh, I'm going to say again, 1967, when mm-hmm. I really started working in college in there, 67, 68, uh, sneakers were simply canvas shoes mm-hmm. with a rubber bottom. And women's... The converse. You, you, and they were actually, yeah, PF flyers that we had. Converse was another line that Ludden's shoe oh, yeah. store had. There were three other shoe stores in Wellsville at the time. But they were simply canvas shoes with a rubber bottom. And they usually had a red stripe around them for the men's. And the women's were just very simple, either navy or white. Mm-hmm. And men had either black or white. Okay. And they had like a little rubber stamp on the, they were either ankle height or low cut. Yeah. That was your choice. Four, four patterns for men. You had white and black high top, white and maybe navy low top. Hmm. That was it. That's all you had. Then in probably, I'm going to say 1972, Nike. 73. Well, Nike started coming, yeah, came out, I think, about 74. They okay. started getting viable. But in about 73, uh, the running shoes, the running boom started yeah. to hit. And by 75, it was really hitting. And where you needed to have nylon footwear, mm-hmm. nylon. You thought, nylon sneakers, that's weird. Mesh, you know what I mean? What's this mesh thing coming out of the Far East? So we put in a line, I convinced my father, who really did not want to change at that point. (laughs) I convinced him, I said, Dad, we really need to put in a nylon running shoe for men and women. Yeah. And and I'm going to look at the trade show. So I came up with this company called Osaga, O-S-A-G-A. You know, that was named after a city in Korea. Okay. Right. And of course, they were made in Korea. But I remember opening the first cartons of Osaga footwear and the smell of the different smell that came out, like the nylon, rubber, and plastic, PVC, you know, like what the soles are made out of, was a totally lightweight, like waffly, I mean, waffle weight, just yeah. lightweight soles. I couldn't wait to put a pair on and try to run in them. Because in in 70, I'm just going to kind of go on about that. And just thinking back, I started running in 1976, Mm -hmm. I think it was, something like that. And I had run, I remember the, the, the Wellsville Arterial was being built at the time when I decided that I had to start running. And I would go out after a Thursday night work. After dark, I remember, put on my heavy, 
Conversey looking snakes yeah. because it's just before we got the new line and the Osaka line. Put them on, and I would run down the dirt of the what is now the arterial, and the bulldozers were they were parked on the side, of course, dormant because it was nighttime, and I'd be out there running on what was the arterial is today. Now, where's the arterial at? The arterial is is the four lane. Oh, the four lane. Yeah, okay, it goes behind the library. Yep, that was just being built. Oh. And so anyway, I, I would go out there and back and around the horn. And uh, as I recall, I think um, Secretariat had run, had, had won the, the, the 73 Belmont, and, and, or I mean the Triple Crown. And uh, you visioned yourself like Secretariat with these long strides yeah. and sucking up turf and the dust flying behind. So you had this imagery in your mind. And uh, it was a two-mile loop back to the house, and uh, that's what kind of got me going with running. And uh, so the, the sneaker thing really blossomed, right? As, as Rich Shear is getting into his running, yeah, the sneaker, the, the whole running boom and the athletic boom really started to blossom. Did, and that became a big part of our business. Correct, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't, um, because my, I used to run. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Run, I remember you and I talking distance about and I, that. And, yeah. did, uh, and what I think just watching the movies is, is, you know, Nike was built for Steve Prefontaine. Correct. Right. Yeah, is, did yeah. he mm-hmm. kind of start that? Or uh, Bill Bowerman, I think was the gentleman, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was Bill Bowerman was the, um, for the, the, the one that instigated the waffle soul. Yeah. And, and he uh, was actually, a coach for... Correct, for Oregon. Yeah. There were Prefontaine was going to school. And uh, talked, he and another person worked on this sole. You know, we have to make a grippier sole. So yeah. they used a waffle iron. And yeah. It's a true story that they did <laughs> do that and created the first Nike sole. Well, Nike was the really leading edge. They were the line that we really wanted to put in, not Osaga. Yeah. So I remember going 1980, I think it was around 1984, I convinced my father that I wanted to go to the trade show in New York and talk to Nike. Yeah. And and I made an appointment. They squeezed me in to be able to see the rep for Nike for the East Coast, whatever. And I remember how nervous I was. I really wanted to put this line into Wellsville. And I told him about Hamilton's, and I told him we were a small town in western New York. There's no competition around us. Yeah. Would we be able to just, I know it's very hard to get Nike product. And I, I, I said, but we really would count on having a, a hallmark line like Nike in Wellsville. And I, I always remember, he says, yeah. He says, let's do it. He <laughs> said, no problem. And I, I was ecstatic to be able to come out of New York City with a Nike order under my in my briefcase, I was just excited, so excited. The Hamiltons was the only place aside from catalogs, I'd imagine, that well, people could order. The, the, well, yeah, in, I mean, to locally, order. like to come in and, and actually physically. But as try I said, there were the three other shoe stores at that point. In really, there was Triangle Shoe Store, Smith Shoe Store, and Ludden Shoe Store. All had storefronts on North Main Street in Wellsville, huh. and uh, so yeah. But we were we were competing with the other shoe stores, mainly Ludden. Smiths was kind of on the way out. They were sold, I think, in the early eighties, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. And uh, and Triangle was a chain. They weren't our particular 
big competition, but Wadden's was, and they were fine, fine business people, and we always had a good relationship. But yeah, I mean, Nike or Hamilton's had Nike, Wadden's didn't, and Wadden's became Lester's later, and then anyhow. So no, I, I, the, you, I mean, those were big, get... big years for for Wells. I, I mean, for Hamiltons to be able to put Nike in, and uh, and then Bass Footwear, and uh, you know, the, you mentioned loafers, yeah, putting Bass Weegans in. My dad, of course, fought me on that, and then putting <laughs> credit cards in. That was in the late <laughs> mid eighties. Also, I said, uh, I remember taking my folks out to lunch and saying. Look at guys, we've got to put a credit card system in the shoe store. I said, absolutely not. We're going to just have charges and cash. That's yeah. all we need. And, and if they don't have the cash, if they have an account, they can put it on their charge account and pay it the next month. I said, look, at, we're going to lose a huge share of business if we don't have credit cards, I'm telling you. So anyway, long story short, I talked them into putting it in and can you imagine a business today without credit cards? Tell yeah. Mike Raftus <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. Pat, Pat and Cheryl yeah. Carlin, the well, diner in Texas. You're right. <laughs> you're right. But, but, that, 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 you're 100. percent No, I mean, just imagine retail, though, how much more they would. A retail business. Would, I know you. <laughs> they have their own reasons, right. and, and look at how magnificently it's worked for both of those businesses. Right. And so, do they need to change? Rich Shear certainly isn't qualified to tell them to. <laughs> but, but what? business today i mean a retail business clothing mm-hmm. uh, footwear you obviously have to you can't anything price. over twenty dollars you know i you know, use a card yeah for, for just for sure. i mean i use my phone now to just scan it in but anyhow but yeah th- those were formative years for me they were mm-hmm. older years for hamilton's hamilton started in 1928 and uh, we liquidated it in in 2018, so it was 90 years old yeah. when I decided to liquidate the store. I had turned 70, Hamilton's was 90, and I thought it was a good time. And thank the good Lord, because uh, that was 2018. By 2020, what, the COVID. pandemic came, didn't yeah. it, I think? So uh, we would have had a very difficult time keeping employees mm-hmm. employed. Very, We couldn't have done uh what we did and and then continued on after COVID like that. So. What do you think, because you've been, I mean, you've spent your whole life in this area. When do you think in your, again, in your, in your time, when do you think Wellsville's like biggest, biggest boom was? Um, was I'm going to go back to that, that, that same time period, that post-war time period. Post-war? Well, I actually, Before you know, Sinclair. thinking back, Prior to that, I mean, when you think of Richburg, New York, yep. was a huge oil boom town mm-hmm. in the in the what late eighteen hundreds. It's one of the richest yeah. towns in the county yeah. and state. And so Wellsville, really, I mean, with the timber industry that uh, Oak Duke's family was part of founding, uh, uh, you know, many of the other families here in Wellsville, their roots were from that old hemlock and white pine timber business. Mm-hmm. Those were big, big years for Wellsville, too. I mean, there was a lot of money made in that tan bark industry. So, yeah. I mean, I, I should not say the 50s were the glory, the 50s, early 60s were the glory years for Wellsville. That's not necessary. It depends on what you call glory years. Mm-hmm. You look at the pictures of the men's clubs that they had back in the in the 19th. 20s, you know, like uh, post or pre-depression years, the Moose Club, I mean, all these different clubs, the men's and women's clubs were full 
tables, dinner tables of well-dressed men and women. Yeah. So um, I shouldn't really say that the 50s and early 60s were the prime years, but they're the ones that I really saw as yeah. the prime years. You know, well, that's and, what uh, I asked. Well, you're like, when, when did yeah, you see? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and uh, again, going back even to my dad's time, you know, uh, of course, we all know about the Depression and yep. coming back from that. It was it was lucrative, but then World War II came, mm -hmm. and uh, so it was definitely those post-war years from I'd say 1946 to 1957 were were prime time. But again, uh, you know, depressions really didn't hit Wellsville as hard as many many other areas, mm -hmm. and uh, it was kind of a fact. That businessmen used to talk about around here that we were always a little bit slow to feel an economic downturn yeah, or an economic upturn. Mm -hmm. I mean, like if, if things are doing better in the urban areas, it took a while for that to trickle down to Wellsville. Even, even when I was in high school, you know, the styles that were popular in the cities oh, yeah. took like three took a, years yeah. to get here. And by, oh, if yeah. they went to the city, then they're like, oh my God, why isn't anybody dressed like we are? And why? believe me, <laughs> in, the, uh, in the retail business like I was in, it was a very difficult lesson for me to learn not to jump the gun fashion-wise and yeah. try to bring things into Hamilton's before the public was ready to accept it. I knew in my heart that this was going to be a good line. Mm -hmm. For instance, Uggs or whatever. I said, <laughs> you know, uh, I said, Uggs are going to be really good. I said, oh my God, what are Uggs? You know, oh, I said, well, they're sheep, I mean, they're sheepskin lined boots. And you knew that you were going to do great with them. I remember bringing them in first and well, and they just didn't, pop yeah. like they did the second and third year we had them in mm -hmm. by the second third fourth year it was like unbelievable couldn't keep them on oh shelves. my god <laughs> and i mean you, you know there are other lines like fry boots that name doesn't ring a bell to you maybe but f-r-y-e boots i remember in 1973 putting them into the store convincing my my dad again who was bullheaded like i was <laughs> That we've got to have fry boots. Is they're sixty dollars a pair. This is nineteen. How in the world do you think you're going to sell those? Said so they're going to sell. Brought them in, and they started to sell. And then they really started to sell. Where we were selling these black and white boxes of fry boots, and my dad was putting string around them, two or three pair to a family. Yeah. And he said, "Rich, you were a hundred percent right." He said he was ecstatic, but. You know, I mean, you never know. <laughs> you never know, but but you could bring a line in that Wellsville was not ready for, and you may never. You know, you might have discontinued the line before they even really became hot in Wellsville. You know what I mean? The hot Pop. shoe right now is uh, Hey Dudes. Hey Dudes, and I love Hey Dudes. They're so light. I, I have, have I have a couple of hey pairs. Dudes. I'll show you. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, that would be something I would be excited about bringing in. Yeah. When it first came out, they're they're just the point. same thing. They're just canvas shoes. Well, and you can feel the energy when you go to these trade shows of the enthusiasm of who's in the booth buying the shoes. You would go to a, you'd hear something about a line. You go look at the line, and if you saw that many people buzzing around the booth or the area that you're going to look at all this product. If you saw that area buzz, then you've got some, you'd better pay attention. And that, that was fun. That was a fun part of retailing. 
I've been to quite a few trade shows. I've been to tourism expos, a ton of camera ones. And I think it would be amazing to go to a retail one because you don't see that. I mean, you don't see that. You have like the four major brands. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's whatever the latest product is with the four major brands. But it'd be cool to go to a retail one like shoes yeah. just to see what's yeah. the new brand. Yeah. Because yeah. you know, yeah. there's yeah. not really yeah. any new camera video equipment it's the same yeah big brands doing new things but whereas that's how retail uh you know uh, continues it, yeah how it survives i should say is by new product is crocs. by bringing in yeah crocs they're still i remember bringing crocs into wellsville i said this line's gonna sell yeah. And I said to my my people, uh, my employees, and they said, I have those are weird. <laughs> so so we bought them, put them in, couldn't give the friggin' things away. You could not give them away. I said, people, this is what's going to be coming in. And uh, I could, we had a horrible first summer with them, horrible. So I, I said, fine, we're done with them. We're done with them. Uh, I'll get rid of them. I'll sell them at cost to some of the retailer, which I wound up doing. We wow. sold them at cost, got rid of them. Then I went to New England with my family and in in Martha's Vineyard, there's a display of Crocs. This guy's selling them. He, 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 I said, how are you doing with your Crocs? He says, I can't keep them in stock. Yeah. He says, they're flying. He's, and I said, well, they, they aren't 300 miles <laughs> west. They're, they're not flying, man. But anyhow, but it was all like uh, the running shoe thing was a yeah. big deal. And the, like... Uh, trail shoes and all that you the know areas like, yeah and, and the areas and um what's yeah. your favorite shoe that you've had in in your run of hamilton's what's your favorite shoe that's come in probably my one of my most proud um lines and and my favorite line that, uh, that you love wearing that i love wearing is mephisto Mephisto? Uh, yep, Mephisto. They're a little higher end line. Mm-hmm. I happened to bring into the store in 1997. And I really didn't know if Wellsville was ready to handle the retail price tag yeah. of Mephisto shoes. And we brought the sandals in first for women and uh, one pattern of men's. But I, I had learned about the product. I had I had found out the quality of the product at the trade shows. Had trade magazines had read about them. Had talked to other retailers about them. And they said, "Boy, you're in a small town. It's chancy. I don't mm-hmm. know. You know, it's up to you." I brought them in and totally believed in the line. And if you believe in the line and the product is that good, you can sell it. Yeah. And we did very well with Mephisto through the my last uh, twenty years in, in in the business. When did when did Hamilton's become the only shoe specific retailer in Walsall? Yep. Oh God, it was probably Lester's was our main competition, the last surviving shoe store there in Hamilton's, and they folded up in nineteen ninety seven. If I'm not mistaken, same year that Cannons folded up. Okay, I think, and w- I was sad to see Cannons go. You know, and was that. Kmart there this whole time? Kmart came in. Boy, that's a good question. Because I remember it. I mean, I always, I, the I always new Kmart it. Plaza. Yeah, uh, I'll call it the new. I mean, Whitford <laughs> Plaza. You know, where where, top, Riverwalk. where yeah, Riverwalk Plaza was really built in 1993. Okay. I'm just thinking off the top of my head because no I remember worries. I was in, on the Chamber of Commerce at that time and how thrilled we all were that the tops, or I think it was, I 
can't remember it was called tops it was across the the road where tractor supply is was moving over to this brand new riverwalk plaza yeah kmart was the next door down that was a big step for whitford's big step for wellsville and a lot of excitement there economically at the time i mean the economy was so so Mm -hmm. but it, it was a nice step up for wellsville yeah i think and you i think the good thing about Hamilton's is someone's not going to go into Kmart to buy a nice pair of shoes. Someone's going to go into yeah. Kmart to buy a cheap pair of shoes that they're just going to wreck and they know they're going to wreck right. it. And I think and you we kept the, that. And, and I was very adamant about that. Mm-hmm. And I got in fights with my employees about it sometimes because they thought they said, Rich, you're getting too expensive. Your, your lines are getting too expensive. You've got to appeal to more of what our area. Uh, yeah, I mean, the demographic of our area, a lot of blue collar folks mm-hmm. that work hard for a living too they need footwear and we catered to that also but we kept our accent on the better quality the higher price footwear right just because that's what separated our business and that's where people would come from way out of town mm-hmm. to find us you were a destination because we you... would we would fit the feet we would take care of them with a higher quality product i mean you said the only store in wellsville but i think you're the only shoe store in the Twin Tiers region. I mean, they as far had, as like, well, they had lines like Mephisto, like yeah. Alden, like E.T. Wright, Arch Preservers, uh, you know, Johansson Brothers Shoe Company. I mean, a lot of these lines that my dad had put in that he totally believed in, I carried on to. And, but but you, you kept the bar very high. You mm-hmm. didn't let your sights down. It was very tempting when the economy got rough in Wellsville to sell cheaper footwear because you knew you could sell a boatload of cheaper right. footwear. But you were going to really lose that accent that you'd been so traditionally uh, known for. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and and again, the sneakers, the sneaker business, you had to embellish it. You had to romance it. When I got into running, that was a perfect, perfect parallel for trying to sell running shoes because... At the time, I was running marathons and that kind of thing. And there weren't that many folks doing some of that crazy stuff like we were doing in those days. So you kind of became known for, hey, this person's a marathon runner. Let's go buy running shoes from him because you'll fix your feet up. He knows what pain's all about on the road. He knows how to pad the shoes up, how to take care of those feet, you mm-hmm. know, make, make you feel better in the shoes that you have. Now, when, when you were, when you made the decision to, before you made the decision to, to shut down, were you trying to find someone to take over oh, or, yeah. and there just oh, yeah. wasn't anybody that was. Absolutely. We, uh, we spent a lot of time trying to market the store, uh, you know, like Facebook and, you mm-hmm. know, uh, we actually had a gentleman named Dave Manzo. You yeah. may know that name. Uh, he did a he did a snippet for Hamilton's, and we tried to use that as a tool, as a as a media tool to sell the store. We um, we uh, I put the feelers out at trade shows. I did a number of things to try to market it, but very hard to sell a retail business in 2018. Yeah, yeah I mean, like a, a a footwear business like Hamilton's. You had to know the business from the inside out. Mm-hmm. You had to be trained. You'd really have to, to 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 carry our inventory. You'd either have to have had experience with that type of inventory in another 
venue in another town, or you'd have to have an apprenticeship for a couple of years as to how to fit it, how to pad shoes. Because you did cobblering, right? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, not cobblering, but, but we fixed up arches for people, and okay. they would come far and wide for that. We'd have people come from Cowdersport, Galton, um, lots from Olean, Hornell, just to get their feet fixed up with arch pads. Okay. Yeah, and my I, wife has to have pads in her shoes, or she has like some well things that she puts in there, plastic. Exactly. Like. Yeah, 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 or what they call orthotics. Yeah. And, and we were like, my dad was cutting pads back in the war for uh, for his officers out west when he was uh, an enlisted man in the navy. He always said, I think that was part of the reason I wasn't shipped overseas because he was so valuable there on base for yeah, cutting arch pads ready. to fit. You know, to fit the uh, the guys with the brown suits, the officers up yeah. with uh, comfortable feet. So we carried that on, and that was a huge part of Hamilton's. Uh, you know, so so for a buyer to come in and buy Hamilton's, in order for that to continue like the at the level of Hamilton's, they would have had to know how to pad shoe or to fix up feet to fix those same customers that were that were gonna. That they're yeah. going to have. Same, I mean, it's kind of like the Texas hot. If the Texas hot left, sold, they'd better have that Texas hot recipe. Yeah. Or is it really going to be the Texas hot? Heck no. Thank Same goodness. way with Hamilton's. Yeah, I mean, and, it was, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, and thank God. Isabel want to take over. Fourth so generation <laughs> wants to, to take over because they're such good. And James on yeah, the other side. And, yeah, I mean, it's just such a blessing for me to be able to see that generation come in. And because I remember uh, their great grandparents, yeah. Mr. Raptus and Mr. Regus, you know, uh, God, they're, they're such good business people. And, just one quick side. No, note. go I'll ahead. I'll tell you a story. Uh, um, when my dad said he was first working at Hamilton's back in the Depression era, era and after the Depression, Mr. and Mrs., or I mean, Miss, the, the Regus women, mm -hmm. the Regus and Mrs. Regus and Mrs. Raptus, the first generation, would come in to the shoe store. Very nice women, my dad is saying, he'd wait on them. And then they would barter back, or I mean, they would talk back and forth in Greek to each other. Oh, yeah. And say, well, should we really pay this much? You know, <laughs> you know whatever. <laughs> and then the, and my dad would get a little nervous because they were talking in Greek to each other. Yeah, because he can't. And then, and then they'd say something to my dad, whatever. But but he, he just always loved those two women and, and their husbands, too. But what fine people they were. Yeah. You know, and, and that tradition uh, is carrying on four generations down the road. It's, it's nice for me at my stage of the game to see. Yeah. Yeah. Do you miss it? I do miss the energy. Uh, the energy uh, on a few different levels uh, at trade shows at, with customers, that feeling when people walk in the door that you haven't seen them, mm -hmm. they're almost like family members. I mean, we had so many from out of town that would come in. They might call first seeing if one of us was going to be there because they liked us waiting on them. But I miss that, that, one-on-one -on -one with those people. I miss the excitement of the trade shows, bringing mm -hmm. something in like we talked about that's going to excite Wellsville. Yeah. It's going to be an exciting new threshold for the shoe store. 
having kids and come in. I miss the smell of the leather a little oh, bit. Yeah. So I, was, I mean, the, 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 the whole venue itself, you would walk in and, and I remember people coming in that hadn't been in in a long time. It's weird. They call open stock. All the shoes were all the way around the shoe store. Mm-hmm. So that leather smell permeated the air and they'd say, oh my God, I love coming in here because it just smells like a, a leather shop. Is that, I mean, I was going to ask you when you were talking about when you opened, you know, the first pair of running shoes that you got and the Mm -hmm. smell of it. Yeah. I was like, that's like a, that's like a totally different, a librarian opening a new book, you know, like just just smelling that. Yeah. That's part of the soul of what what I'll call the soul of S-O-U-L, not S-O-L-E, is part of the soul of the business. It's just the, 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 the goodness that comes out of, of of it being yours is that that vintage love of the people that that you've have touched through the years and that reciprocal feeling that they feel that you have impacted their lives mm-hmm. you've helped them physically i'm sure doctors a surgeon feels the same way when they commend them and say god if it wasn't for you doc i wouldn't be walking around well we used to get that all say you know if it wasn't for your pads i wouldn't be able to work 10 hours a day at preheater. Right. You know, I mean, standing on concrete. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, those, it, it was awfully nice to have those compliments. Seeing and I miss those compliments, coming. kind of. But every time I get downtown, somebody always says, Boy, I wish you were still open. <laughs> I get that all the time. And so it's I, kind of a nice, uh, you know, it's a good glimmer for you. Well, we, the year you closed, um, 2018. You, yep, you yeah. and your wife won Spirit of Wellsville at the... You know, I think you're right. That? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Probably said, oh, good Lord, Shear's going to retire. I guess we better... <laughs> let's give him the Spirit of Wellsville. <laughs> my wife, too, she said, what in the heck? You know, but... Yeah, <laughs> well, no, I mean, I, you but are... you're correct. Yeah, and I'm just kidding. I mean, we, we loved it. I mean, we're very appreciative. I, we just can't believe that we were number one that age to be retiring. And number two would really be that well thought of to get the spirit of Wellsville. You know, just didn't really think that, you know, we'd done that much or I'd done that much. So you've done a crap ton. Um, I can't tell you how just this, the pet, since I stopped and talked to you when you were putting up that sign, like, Hey, you want to be on my podcast? I've been telling everybody. And I was like, that's so cool. That's so cool. You've got to send me the link because people love Uh, you. uh, For some reason, I mean, uh, it's just been, uh, a great reception of, of warm people here, uh, you know, wanting to still talk to me on the street, you know, whenever I come to town and talk about the, you still, you still doing those long distance things. I say, no, I mean, I can't even walk that far, (laughs) you know, let alone run, but, but yeah. And, uh, the whole music thing, that was a good, it was a lot of fun, you know, the, the, those days, um, Let's move into that. How did you, because I talked to uh, actually Rick Whitwood. We, we went to the shop and I, I usually stop and get a drink uh, every yeah. morning and he was in there. And I told great him guy. about it. He's like, oh, great guy. That's what yeah, yeah, he yeah. said that you started in music later in life. You Way later. Yeah. 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 What, 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 what spurred that? Oh, God. It was, um, 
I'd always played the harmonica ever since I was in college, uh, you know, just listening to 45s and, you know, you'd try to find a song that was being played that would match the key of your harmonica. So if you found a song, you'd learn that song until you had it right. And uh, then after my mom died in 2005, the next year, uh, I think it was 2006, Dwight Allen came in the store and said... I'd like you to play harmonica in the minstrel show. He says, I'm in charge of the pit down there, the band that's going to be in the pit, you know, the rather the, the base of the mm-hmm. where the music, the live music was played. And so I agreed and played in that, that spring. It was a lot of fun. Joined and, and he said, you know, I'm having kind of a, kind of want to get a, a, a band kind of going, but we're just doing an open mic thing down at Better Days. Yeah, and he says, "Why don't you come on down to Better Days and and blow some harp?" And, and then I, he, he said, "Well, do you want to try singing?" And then I said, "Good God, no, man!" I said, "My wife told me you can never try to sing in the shower because <laughs> it's awful." So, yeah, uh, somehow I, I, of course, I always loved the Stones, you know. And I said, well, "Let's try a Stone Stone." If I'm going to try it, and, and at the time we were we were practicing in the old Key Bank building where mm-hmm. Joe Howe, you know, where Brand Names is, and and uh, he said, "Well, let's try a Stones tune." So I mean, I ripped off something, and I actually had the energy to want to really belt the thing out. Yeah, I, first time I'd ever really belted anything out, other than the car, probably. Mm-hmm. You know, and when you're all. <laughs> And, I sound uh, like a dying cat. Oh, God. <laughs> well, I mean, anyway, the, the thing came out and he said, eh, it wasn't that bad. Well, let's run back through it. And we did it a few times and we decided to throw that out onto the, the crowd and they loved it. And so we developed from there on out and really had a, uh, I fed on that stuff like a, like a little piranha. I mean, I, I loved doing that. Do you like your nickname? Uh, that, I think it's so crazy that <laughs> it was just because I really have enjoyed the stones and I always really wanted to just have a line drawn in the sand where Rich Shear is no longer just a retailer. He yeah. was not just this guy on Main Street that said hi to you. He has this emotion he wants to belt out and he just wants to cut it loose and let her rip. It's kind of like letting a horse out of a gate in a racetrack. Yeah. They just took off and that's what I wanted to do and it worked uh it was probably a little embarrassing at times I mean because it was a little off the wall but god it was fun and I like to just quickly I'll just say that as I mentioned my mom died in 05 and she was the only one when I was growing up that would listen when I'd put on a record player, mm-hmm. 33s at the time, or 45s, the Beatles or the Animals or the Rolling Stones or yeah. who, whoever's in those mid-early 60s who was popular, she was the only one in the family that would come back and listen. I'd say, listen to this song to my dad. He'd say, God, that's awful. He says, it's <laughs> awful. And he says, they all look like a bunch of girls anyway. <laughs> and my sisters had no time for it. They were five years older. and So anyway... She was the only one that would come back and actually sit and listen to the lyrics. I'd say, yeah. listen, and listen to the melody in this or the tune and the, the acoustics. And she'd get into it. When she died in 19, or 2005, it was the next year 
that Dwight Allen came in the shoe store to ask me about the minstrel show. I like to think that she was in heaven up there with God and saying, let's let this little devil have some fun. Yeah. What do you think? Let's let, <laughs> and just turn the key a little bit for him. But anyway. I'm getting a little emotional because it, my mom. It was mom, just uh, that really is the way I like to think of it. My mom um, was always the one that, like, when my, <laughs> I mean, I played hard rock and listened to hard rock because yeah. my stepdad, I, I grew up listening to either, uh, you know, hard rock like Sabbath and, and, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Oyster Cold sure. and Zeppelin and all those guys. Heavy 70s. Yeah. yeah. And uh, my mom would listen to, to, to Journey and Madonna and, and you know, she's still like, so I either, my musical choice nowadays is either hard rock, not, mm-hmm. not like metal, not screaming yeah. all yeah. the way through. I do like a little scream sometimes yeah. or pop, the poppiest of pops. Yeah. yeah. And I love when they combine in between. In, yeah. But my I'm mom going. would grow up like when I was growing up, I'd be like, mom, listen to this song by Disturbed. It's called Down With The Sickness. And, you know, yeah. I, yeah. I don't know if she was necessarily into it, but she made it. It seemed like she was. And you know, <laughs> Nick, you're 100% correct. That's, I think, what my mom was doing. Yeah. Although I do recall, and we don't have to dwell on this, and probably whoever's listening be bored to tears. But, this is my podcast. I can do it. But, the, the, <laughs> but I remember my mom really enjoyed listening to Carol King. Okay. I remember, yeah. uh, you know, Carol King when her album, The Tapestry album came out it was 1971 i think something like that and she really liked that that album mm-hmm. and here my mom was probably 62 years old at the time whatever but you know that yeah. impressed me i said wow I mean, she does love this music and uh, you know her dad was a pianist and both her mom and dad were involved with music very strongly so well, we um when i started playing guitar because i i um I got diagnosed with ADHD and my mom didn't want me to put me on medication. Yeah, right. So her and, and, and Greg, my stepdad, bought me a guitar, a first act from Kmart yeah. with the tiny little yeah, square. Yeah, 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 all right. And uh, man, they had to deal with just hearing all that. Listening <laughs> to that. that was growing Listening up. Listening to that. Oh my God, what a story. Yeah. So we had kind of some parallel, I think I have like a little attention deaf. I've always had yeah. major issues trying to focus. I can tell just oh, by the way you're playing focusing. with everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, just focusing on anything for a long period of time. So um, that's where I think the running, uh, I keep going back to running, but the rhythm of the feet and just the, re- the, the almost karmic. Uh, cadence of just losing it all and losing that um, consciousness of having to do something on a certain time frame, mm-hmm. of just losing it and getting into that. That's where it's uh, been so beneficial for me and Ridge Walk, all that. That's what guitar is for me, is, is yeah. my escape. I never was in bands. I just yeah, yeah. have it and I can slam so on it and do whatever I that's want. That's what I'm saying. Uh, I remember when I was a kid, I had a blue and uh, blue and red white baby blue record player. Mm-hmm. Played 78 records only. Okay. And I had like the Lone Ranger. I mean, it would, a 78 record, Rick Whitwood, most people know that uh, goes like a bat out of hell on the turntable. Mm-hmm. And you'd put it on there and the whole thing would play through in about three minutes. But it was a story of the Lone Ranger and Tano and blah, blah. And then I'd have some other music one, maybe a Howdy Doody one or something. And they were brittle. Yeah. They cost probably 50 cents at the time. 
But I would sit and listen and listen to those things. My sisters were five years older, and they said, they'd say that dope is still up there in his bedroom listening to those <laughs> stupid records, and he knows them by heart. And anyway, it was our release. Am I yeah. right? Yours too. What's your Just favorite? What's your favorite? I want to get into. I want to keep continuing with the running because I want to get into how you started Ridgebox. But real okay. quick, what's your what's your coming of age album like you're you're the epitome rolling stones now now it's called 1964 it came okay. out my sisters were graduated from northwestern university in chicago evanston illinois and they came home and as a coming home gift graduate their graduation gift to me their baby brother uh 10th grade that i was was the rolling stones now and i remember opening that album up and the smell again yep of that cellophane that the album's wrapped in and pulling it out, London Records, putting it on, and Everybody Needs Somebody to Love was the first song. Everybody needs somebody I to know, love. Yeah. <laughs> somebody to kiss. You know, and, and it was just, it drove me nuts. A song called Heart of Stone. There have been so many girls that I've known. You know, and uh, it was just uh, all those songs... I, I sat there and listened to that thing for God knows how long. Do you still yeah. have it? I probably have it full of cigarette burn holes yeah. in college, probably. <laughs> it probably exists, but it skips all over the place. I have the, uh, I still have, it's not in the studio, it's at my house, but I still have the, uh, the first guitar that I ever bought oh, yeah. from the music alley with my own money. No kidding. Yeah, I still have it. It's it, wow. I don't even know if it works. And it was, still have was it. I'm it never from get rid the of it. music? Was it from Rick Whitwood? It was from Rick Whitwood. Yep. Very cool. Yep. And wasn't he fun to go into the store and he would create excitement? He for does, you, doesn't he? Yep. I mean, he, he I still put it on layaway. It. But yeah, well, because he has layaway. He was glad to do it. I mean, he used to work hard for a living. You know? Yeah. He knew that money doesn't grow on trees, and the, putting some on layaway, it's like Hamilton's. You mm-hmm. know, you you were more than happy to put something away for somebody when they could pay for it. Yeah. And and that's cool about his business. And, you know, again, like we were talking about the small businesses. They're actually, they're, they're, they're coming back. So I think. Yeah, that's what I understand. Before we get into Ridgewalk, I think that the biggest thing that my generation is trying to push away from and they don't realize that we're more we are more like the boomer generation so i mean that's just what it's mm-hmm. called yeah. we're, we're more yeah, like yeah. your generation than we realize because yeah. millennials are weird i mean generation x worked for for the most part for your generation right, right. Mm-hmm. they didn't really go out and start their own businesses or start their own entrepreneurial you know right. endeavors right. millennials i i mean so many of my friends just from Sio, have their own businesses, the whether own it's uh, so. Lounsbury has septic, um, there's driveways, yeah. there's, there's uh, Casey and Robert doing Sherman's painting. They just painted right. the, the pink house, you know? Yeah. They, right, they're, right. Yeah. Um, I have Genesis Valley Media. There's so many people from my generation starting businesses, and I think we're going to get generation, and I don't know yet, but we're, I think we're going to get um, the Gen Zs working for us. For you, yeah. And you very good oh. point, Nick. And because you know the the Gen X, like you said, they they had worked for people. Yep. But then the next generation, you might say, says, "Look at, we want to be able to let's start our own thing. Yep. Let's just not work for someone. 
lots of, and not everybody that says that they want to do that can do it, mm -hmm. but the ones that are blessed enough to have a unique idea and a unique idea for that particular area mm -hmm. that, and they have the, the genius enough to know that it's going to work and they invest in it and watch that blossom. What an unbelievable feeling that mm. is. Or even like uh, uh, so good. Jasmine and Casey taking yeah, over the tie. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like Pete, <laughs> Pete Brown worked so hard and Marley worked so hard to develop that business. And they kindled in Casey and Jasmine that same energy. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I'm sure Casey and Jasmine uh, feel that way that, that Pete and Marley had that level of energy that they aspired to and they already had it within them and they've just carried that on they've picked up that it's like picking up a fumble on the field yeah that one of your teammates drops and you pick it up and head right into the end zone with it that's what they're doing with that business yeah there's i think they have come a long long pete and marley have to be proud of what they've done there. i hope so i love it that's our favorite that's our my wife and i had our first date yeah before a dance at Latalia, so it's really special. Did you really? In our wow. So I'm glad it's still right. Latalia. Yeah, so I'm sure that my kids absolutely. are going to be going <laughs> to take their dates. Gosh, it's such a such we a cool place. Fifteen, and, uh, and I was sixteen. 15, so Nicole was fifteen. Yeah. And I was at Latalia upstairs. I remember the exact table. Yep. Isn't that nice? Isn't that a great yeah. memory? And I yeah. think I think that Wellsville is having, and it's been you know the past couple of years. I think the Wells was just having another renaissance where... I think they are too. There's I, I more shops there's that are taken on. than are empty. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of other communities in Western New York, and mm -hmm. you know them as well as I do, that can't say that. Right. You know, uh, it's very... And, and yeah, we have our spots that aren't as, uh, as, that aren't rented, the, that are vacant, but mm -hmm. we don't have the number of them that a lot of these yeah. towns do. You know, I, I could name them. You could name them. I'm not going to name them. You could but, spend it. I think, I truly think that if someone was coming in from out of town, whether it be they're dropping their kid off at Alfred for the first time or... You know, they they have to go to the hospital for something. You could literally spend most of the day just walking down Main Street and going into the shops. Sure you could. Yeah, sure you could. And a lot of the shops, like you said, are not necessarily shops where they're 25 years ago. Yeah. You know, there are the anchor stores that, mm -hmm. that, that are in the anchor restaurants. Uh Anchor bars. You might look at Better Days. It's been around a long time now, too. So Just this past year, we have... The shop at Maine, which opened up mm -hmm. clothing, and now she has mm -hmm. coffee and smoothies. Yeah, um, such a good idea. A couple Very clothing smart. stores that have come in. Yeah, uh, the booksellers. That's yes, the newest right. one, yeah, I that, think. I heard about. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've heard about that. Yeah. yeah, where she's selling wine and used books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> such a it's a great, but but then again, a great concept, a great yeah. thought. And uh, who else? I, I mean, you know, mm -hmm. what a great inspiration. I mean. Uh, that, that she's been inspired to yeah. do that. And then you have the, you know, the, like you said, the, the, the landmarks like Music Alley, Texas Hot, yeah. um, hairdressers, yeah. um, just on Main Street. There's, yeah. there's other salons. Um, exactly. But yeah. And you look at business in Wells. So, I mean, you know, like you look at the, you know, there's startup businesses mm -hmm. and you look at, uh, you know, we don't have Dresser Rand in our 
Siemens. Well, uh, we got cats moved in. Kinley. That's construction. true. Right, yeah, Kinley. So they're utilizing, uh, you know, a big portion it. of that building. And uh, Alstom is, is going well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we have we have a lot going on. You look at PM Research, what they've done over, yeah. the, you know, the number of years. Uh, Country Club uh, still kicking? Country Club's rocking, absolutely, and, uh, and healthy. Yeah. It's healthy. And the, their menu, excellent menu. Oh, you know. Dana. Dana yeah, is a yeah, good yeah, cook. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, and we all know this, that any restaurant's only as good as their chef. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, we're blessed with some very, very good eating places. In Nick and Casey at the oh, Italia, yeah. rocking it. Yeah. Dana I mean, at the, the Country Club. You look at, uh, you look at the Inslee's. I mean, the, oh, yeah. Beef House. How hard they have worked and, and what a wonderful business the beef houses do you know they've done such a great job they're the only ones with outdoor seating that's right well it's outdoor seating on main street i should say right on the street patio yeah um so you running is seemingly your favorite thing to do your pastime as it far was. as your escape I, I can't really run anymore i mean i could if i had a, a bear after me i suppose i could <laughs> short distance but i can trek a long ways i can uh, i can power walk yeah from here to timbuktu you know but but yeah uh, just a quick background on that working in one four-walled building for 50 years mm-hmm. uh you had to have an outlet, especially working closely with your other employees. Uh, and I found myself, and again, I think it was the mid-70s, just the pressures of having to be inside. I would go out on my lunch hour and run. And I mean, then i towel off. You didn't really have a shower in Hamilton's, but toweled off, got dressed, and back in an hour. And my dad made sure you were back within one hour. But I could run quite a long ways in that hour. I'd run all the way up the top of Norton Summit and back, I remember. And today, if I had to trek that from Hamilton's, I'd better start at 8 in the morning. And you might see me for lunch, maybe. <laughs> but you know. but anyway, yeah, that. But, but that was how that all developed and how that started. And the release that I got and the much better person that I was in the afternoon after doing that mm-hmm. emotionally and dealing with people and my friendliness with people was hugely augmented by that 45 minutes that I was out there on my lunch hour mm-hmm. running. And I learned a lot from that, how important it is to have that vent that's a healthy vent mm-hmm. and not a drugs and alcohol, which you know, I certainly still enjoy alcohol yeah. quite a lot, but but you need to have that healthy vent that emotionally gets you through the day. That was the week. That's what the, that's that is. Started. There, there you go. If I'm having yeah. a stressful day, I'll just come back here and blast that's it. That's right, <laughs> man. That, that, that's whatever it is. And for me, running was, was a big part of that. So yeah. it developed into long distance running and 100 milers and, you know, some really, really crazy uh events like what's, that. What's your favorite, two parts here. I want you to first say what your favorite, uh, what your favorite run has ever been, like whatever state, whatever region. Mm-hmm. And then how did you take your love for running into the Ridgewalk? Okay. Well, I can kind of quickly go into that. Probably my favorite, you know, I ran a bunch of marathons and then my time started getting kind of poor. Okay. I mean, what I thought was 
poor. I never broke the three hour mark and uh, very close to breaking three hours. But uh, anyway, they kept getting less and less uh, good times. Uh So I decided to do triathlons and, you know, where you bike, run, or you... uh, Swim. Swim, bike, and run, and tried a bunch of those. Did did like a few Ironman distances, and, and thoroughly enjoyed that. But there were an awful lot of egos in triathlons. I mm-hmm. found and whoever had the best bike equipment usually did the best in the bike that or seemed to do. And I, I found I needed to have another vent. So the marathons were kind of getting dusted. I said, but I just need more time to maybe beat some of these people yeah. so we got into like I, I thought let's try a 50 mile run and it was in virginia i remember how nervous i was about that was it Went, and summer? did did really well it was in the in the spring so it wasn't uh, too hot no no it's very <laughs> nice it was around this uh, gunpowder state park it was called i know gunpowder state park. do you really that's yeah, in, yeah, that's yeah it was a timonium maryland area. yeah that's, yeah I'm, yeah maryland that's, that's maryland. where i'm from okay wow yeah so my family grew up in, state park. in timonium and well there are a lot of blood there was a windstorm right before the 50 mile and there are a lot of treetops down in the trail so i had to crawl up over the top of these friggin tree tops then i got lost i wound up talking imagine that with another runner <laughs> and taking a side trail and took us 10 minutes to get back on track but anyway still did well in it came in the top third or something everybody else got lost freaking ball yeah <laughs> probably you know but maybe it would have been better if i would anyway but had a great time and uh, said, you know, maybe I should try even a, a longer one. So we tried a, they call a hundred K, a hundred kilometer. And that was in Luth, Minnesota. And that's 62 Jeez. miles. And I thought, man, that's a long way. So, Is this in one day? Yeah, 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 yeah. So 62 miler and flew out to Duluth and, uh, uh, you know, run in a car, went to the hotel again, nervous. And it was just an out and back up along Lake Superior, but cloudy, foggy, rainy. You know, and it, you could say depressing. You know what I mean? Uh, I love the way to be out like, there. Just an uh, just an out and back. You know, yeah, sixty one miles. So anyway, I uh, I I did all right in it, but I had a great time, and uh, that's that was in the spring. And I said, you know, I think I'm going to do a hundred miler. And uh, the, the, a friend of mine, Dave Lang, was very in, in, inspiring. Where he says, absolutely, you should try, you should try one, and. Uh, he said, why don't you and I go out and do Leadville, the Leadville 100 at 10,000 feet minimum elevation in Colorado? He said, that's a real run. He says, I'm going to kick your ass, too. <laughs> a so, mile is yeah. a real one for And me. I said, well, Lang, you're not going to kick my ass. And, yeah, let's go do it. So we went out. And obviously, you're not running it together. You just start at 4 a.m. at the starting line, and you run all that day. And the winners will finish before midnight, but not your middle of the Packers like Dave Lang and myself. And so you, we ran through the night, and he was way ahead of me. He had passed me at like uh, one of the earlier aid stations, probably six hours into the event. He'd already passed me, and I was depressed about that, totally depressed. And uh, But they had these, what they call aid stations. There's probably like, 12 aid stations in the Leadville 100. 
And lo and behold, probably, I mean, it was the nighttime. And back then, you didn't have headlamps. You just had handheld flashlights. And you had to reload your batteries maybe in the middle of the night. So you better have something so you could still see the new batteries you're going to put into the flashlight. So you had to run with... So you're running, yeah, with the flashlight at night. (laughs) And so anyway, here was Lang at 75 miles, and he was blown out. Poor guy. I felt bad for him, but it was... uh, He was wrapped in a space blanket, and I said, David, what the heck are you doing here? I thought you were way ahead. He says, I was way ahead of you. He says, go on, get out of here. You know, like that. And here he is wrapped in his space blanket. He's cold. Yeah. You know, it's 4 a.m. in the morning. And I went on by, and by, it wasn't too long. I knew he was right behind me. And we finished about eight minutes apart, I think, something like that. Did you win? No, God, no. Jeepers. No, I mean, did you? Oh, yeah, 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 barely. But he's such a gentleman, such a nice guy. But, you know, you had a competition back in those days. He did say he was going to beat your ass. Yeah, 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 (laughs) exactly. So anyhow, but that was maybe you could say your first hundred mile or might be your favorite. But there were 14 of them that I had, I think, out of 17 attempts. You know, there's a, I DNF'd in 300 miles in three of them, but I finished 14. Uh, Western States 100's probably the probably the most well-known of the group. It's a familiar term to a lot of runners, the Western States. How does From your Squaw body Valley feel to uh, near Sacramento, you run the Auburn, California, but... Uh, your body takes a beating. It's it, it's like professional fighting, you might say, yeah. except you're doing it to your own body. It's masochistic, it is. And I think uh, emotionally, I was going through a lot of different things at the time, retail-wise, uh, just, just everything in your 40s. I always say your best 100-mile runners are in their late 30s and mid mid to late 40s because really? you're going through a lot of stuff in your own you might have brought a family up you've you're trying to re-identify what your goal is in life spiritually you might not be totally well founded and you're looking for something there that happened to be one of my things that really helped me out so is it like an addiction kind yeah of? in that it, time it, it could be an addiction but it was also a search it was okay. really a search. finding yourself yeah Oh, yeah, yeah. I I think to run those distances, uh, you've got to have some purpose. Yeah. You have to have something other than just, because you just don't have a desire to want to take that on. So anyway, that was really when Ridgewalk <laughs> That's became, insane. it was 1993, the chamber knew that I had done some pretty wild stuff. And they just said, Rich, why don't we talk to him about getting a 5K going around Wellsville? Yeah. And so they, they asked me, and I said, I just finished Leadville. Well, like my second Leadville, I think it was. It was, yeah, 92 was my first, so 93. They couldn't have caught me at a better time to try to think of something different than just some little 5K run around the streets. So I said, we're not going to do that. For yeah. today. We're going to bus people out to a trailhead. We're going to get landowner permission from half a dozen landowners to traverse their property. And we're going to finish the thing on our farm up there on Reagan Road. Yeah. Because it's a dead-end road, perfect place. Pitch a little tent, have some home-cooked food. Beautiful Have, have a little party afterwards, you know, I mean, just kind of. So they said, yeah, go ahead, try it. And I remember Ralph Stockman, still a, you know, one of the founding members of Ridgewalk. He said, you won't get 
15 people to that thing. And I said, Ralph, you watch. <laughs> we had 53 people sign up. <laughs> and so we blew his goal out the door. I still had to kid Ralph to this day about that. But, uh, anyway, we had 53 people that first year, and we had a great time. The chamber uh, realized the potential that something different like that mm-hmm. could have on a run, not just an average run that you have that a lot of towns have. I don't know of any other event that, that is take, takes place on linked parcels of private property mm-hmm. and finishes up and, and are all mostly point-to-point yeah. events. I mean, they're not big loops. They're not circles where you start at one part of the state park and you finish at the same one. State parks are very popular for trail runs because it's all on state land. They don't have right. to worry about permission. This is the most labor-intensive fundraiser that you could possibly imagine Ridgewalk is. It takes a lot of committees, a lot of work on a lot of different angles. And it's, he's 90, you said it's 93? 93. So, it's 93. so this is our year. 30, 31st event. It's 30 years old. 30 years, year. yeah. yeah. Wow. 30 years, yeah. And to me, the driving force for it today, what keeps me wanting to be involved with it, is the more I see of our younger people getting sucked into not being active and being more digitally, uh, their minds are just so wrapped around games and just, you know, just watching a computer screen. Mm Mm-hmm the more I want want them to be encouraged to find out, like I did, what it's all about to be in the great outdoors and, and yeah. to learn about what we have in the, in the outdoors around Wellsville. I mean, it's, there's so much. The mosses, the ferns, the, the, the animal tracks, the, the, the sound of the wind and the pines. I mean, to be able to get your earbuds out of your ears, folks, and listen to what nature is trying to tell you. And just is poetic, when it, and it all comes back from that distance, from being out there for hours training, and hearing that, and feeling that wind on your face, and feeling that the the gentle stroke to your soul, the the I believe the good Lord's trying to do for us. Yeah, thirty years. Thirty years. It's a yeah, long yeah, time yeah. for yeah, any event. Th- yep. Yeah, it's thirty years old this Especially year. Especially a right. small town. You know, yeah, yeah, like and it's flourishing. I mean, you know, we've got you know close to 500 entrants now, we're hoping to land around 700, you know, by the time we get done, something like that. But, uh, but really, it's it, with for so many different levels, families to be able to take their kids and have them walk with them because they the don't have to leaves. run. No, no, they the, can just the, walk. The biggest thing it. is the walks, the, yeah, the, and that's the real inspiration for me today is, is watching the walkers. Because, uh, the, you know, the, the release, the peace that they can get in their soul from being out. You don't have to pay to be in the Ridgewalk to go find peace in the woods, but it's a wonderful launching pad for a program like that, for a family to take walks together or for an individual to go find themselves emotionally. A wrecked person, think of somebody that's gone through a divorce or a, uh, a broken relationship, to go out and, like I said, feel what nature is trying to give back to you. Yeah. And, to, you know, what what some higher purpose is saying to you, that everything's going to be okay. Like, you know, the, that everything's going to be all right for you in the end. 
that's uh, it's it's moving and it keeps me motivated. And you do you still go out and and mark all the trails? Oh and yeah, everything? yeah, yeah. I'm beat already. Oh, you've already <laughs> been doing it, clearing trails, and yeah, yeah. I mean, a crew of us guys uh, uh, have been out and clearing trails and picking up sticks and chainsawing, and, and you know, you're looking at like. 30 some miles of trails yeah. by the time you get done. And it's a lot of picking up sticks and cutting through brush. And, you know, we have a big session scheduled for Friday. So did I, did I, um, I think I have, did I tell you that I ran the 14 mile? Uh, no, I don't, I, I didn't recall that you did that. Yeah. Did so you do that? I did back God in, bless I it. was yeah. 13 years old. 13 years old. And, and that was 14 sure miles at that I'm, point. It was called the 14 miler, I think. 2001. 2001. Yeah, I think I was, I mean, I don't know. Well, if you were 13 years up. old and you did that event. Yeah, me and my what buddy Dave. What was your experience? How did you feel about that? So and that was when I was when I was in track and I was a mid-distance runner. Yeah. So I okay. run the 800 in the mile. Okay. Um, and my buddy Dave Finnamore is like, yeah, yeah. hey. My brother, because uh, I don't well, know if Eric you recognize him Eric, yeah, Eric Fenimore Fenimore. won the early, all the early Ridgewalk years. So he always won the distance. So that's his younger brother was Dave. Well, and he's perfect, like, hey, my brother uh, does this race. We should do it. I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's 14 miles, yeah, man. I'm not going to do that. He's like, it'll be fine. We can just do it together. I'm like, all right. All right. Sorry. Well, we get to, we get bust out to Stony Lonesome. Yeah. yeah. Stony and, Lonesome. Uh, yeah. Get off the bus. Everybody runs out to, to the trees to pee yeah. before yeah. it. Yeah. Still do. <laughs> yeah. Male yeah. or female. Landowners raise hell about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, my parents like, you sure you want to do this? I'm like, well, they challenged me. God I got to do it. it now. Just yeah. like, you know, yeah, you're just like, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, we started and, and you know, his brothers just phew, took off. Fine. He's like a cool breeze. Breaks yeah. away from the pack. Yeah. And uh, Dave just starts slowing down. And I'm like, what's wrong? He's like, I don't know if I can do this, man. Yeah. And I'm like, all right. I just kept going. <laughs> so <laughs> you, yeah, that gave you the inspiration to keep yeah. on going right and, there. And, uh, and you did. I remember right. going through all the trails. I did get, right. I felt like I was off track, but you do a good job of marking. Um, and white ribbons. Yep. And you know, when you're 13 years old, you're pretty much a bottomless pit right. of energy. Oh so my I could keep yeah, going. Yeah, so you kept going. And I remember um, <laughs> coming out around a bend and I don't remember where it was, but it was in an yeah. open field and my parents were there because it was one of the spots where people yeah, could, could yeah, gather. Yeah, it could have been the ready road aid station. Yeah. yeah okay. and, uh, and they're like, you're like, there's you're only been right. like, 20 people ahead of you. I'm like, wow, what? And they're like, really? yeah. yeah. Cause I remember passing people, you yeah, know, like we walk yeah, in, they're like, yeah. you know, they do the, hi. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. 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 And like, yeah. Keep going. Just, yeah and uh, and they told me, they're like, this guy said that, that there's no way that you're going to come out. They said that we'd be waiting for an hour. And as soon as you, they said that, here you come. <laughs> just there you up. were. And so you did pretty darn well. And I remember. And you, did you keep that up till the finish? Yeah, I remember going towards the finish line. And for yeah. some reason, I thought it'd be a good idea as soon as I got on the straightaway there yeah, right. to sprint. Yeah. So I just. Well, it's a slight downhill, so it's I a good time it to do it. Everything I had. <laughs> and I remember crossing and tumbling. Tumbling. And my body just really? shut down. Isn't it? It, it, it just shut down. Yeah. And uh, I think it was uh, it was Bob Mangles or someone whoever yeah. came up to yeah. him was like, "You're the youngest person to ever do this and finish it this fast. How do you feel?" And I was just like, 
tired. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. That's all Good I can say. You, though. Um, but yeah. it was that's two hours story. and 20, wow. 21 or 23 minutes. Well, you know, the record for the 15 mile, the 25K, which it is now, is just under two hours. Yeah. So, so that was, was pretty darn good. And that's uh, very good. I don't think that anybody that young is, has done that since. Boy, not 13 you were? Yeah. I don't think there has been. Uh, I mean, I think there might have been a 14 or 15 year old. They were older. But, that doesn't count. But not. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> 13 years old. 13. Not running it. Not yep. running it. And I don't even recall any of them walking it with their parents. 13. Necessarily, but wow. My body was just. Toasted though, isn't it? Yeah. Toasted. I, I sat in the car and oh, then I couldn't yeah. move. Yeah, I'll bet you were stiff. After yep, that. I, could, I couldn't get out of the car. You're just still <laughs> stiff and sore. Sure you are. And but what a, what a cool thing. And that's the only time we've done the Ridgewalk. Wow. <laughs> that was the seventh or eighth Ridgewalk that was. Then. That's it. Wow. Isn't I'm that I'm going to cool? Google it while we're, yeah. while we're talking. Yeah. When did you start? Because um, it originally started as running. 1993. No, when did you start with uh, bikes? And do you still do bikes? We do not. Okay. Uh, we wound up finding it was a little bit too much to organize. We had run uh, when Carrie Whitwood... Yeah, uh, chaired it, and she did a wonderful job. But we had the idea: let's bring uh, uh, biking, mountain biking, into it, and we did. But it, but it was just it was hard to get the mountain bikers and the runners coordinated on the same trails. Mm-hmm. And, uh, after three years, I think it was, we kind of went back to just the ridge walk and run. But originally, back in '93, we called it the cross country ridge walk and mm-hmm. 10k run. It was called. And there's a little there it on, is. on the website. There oh, my is. gosh. There you are. 22nd overall. Oh, oh Nicholas Davis. Wellsville, New York. Look at that. Uh, so how did you Google that? You, you just went I just to, Googled. Uh, oh, I would lie. Two hours and 51 minutes. Sorry about 251. that. 251. Okay. But 22nd so, overall. 22nd overall on the 25K. And there's Eric Fenimore was number yep, one. Of course he was. He won every year. And Julie Ogden, <laughs> who's now passed away, she would always win the female division. Yeah. And uh, I just put in gosh, 2001 Ridgewalk. Ridgewalk. And 14 was, months. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Very cool. Yeah. Joe Ebert is on there. Look at that. Yeah. He's, yeah. My goodness. I could go through those names and know a lot of them. But 21 out of but 71. Yeah, that is pretty darn good. I mean, that's amazing, Nick. <laughs> and I was, and, uh, I, th- I remember being mad because they didn't have a trophy for me because no one yeah, that young had ever done nobody it. Nobody <laughs> that young had done it. Yeah. Wow. So, I would have given you a trophy if I'd known that, that you were irritated. I would have come <laughs> up with I was directing it back in those days, so I certainly, I'm, my gosh. I'm trying to find where Dave finished. He must not have finished. He might have DNF'd. Yeah, he must. I'll bet you he got uncorked and just got, you know, turned his number in probably. Because his name isn't uh, is not here anywhere. Wow. Yeah, he must have gave up. So that yeah, and that's one thing you always as race directors and you always are afraid of that somebody will quit and then just jump in a car instead of turning their number in at the finish line. Because if they do get do that, get in a car and leave. Oh, you think they're lost. You think they're lost. And we, we have had that happen a few times. But it's never, no, but it's just, it's irritating when you, uh, when you put a full day, yeah. weeks really of planning. And 
the thing. But we're looking forward to a good event this year. It's, uh, I mean, we've had as many as a thousand people. That was pre-COVID and, mm-hmm. and way back. Uh, uh, we, the hospital, does look at getting those numbers back up. You know, we're looking at hopefully somewhere around seven this year okay. and try to step it up. When is it? On October 15th, two weeks from this coming Sunday. And can so, people still sign up? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ridgewalk.com. Yeah. They'll very easy to sign up. And how much does it, how much does it cost? It's $45 for the longer run right now. And I think for the walks, it might be like 40 so for the for the five k, like if a family wanted 5K, to walk, five k, the five k, I should know that right off the top of my head. But we did have a price change this year, and I'm just trying to think what that would be. But I I can tell you in no time. And if a business um, in the future, or even maybe even this year, wants to sponsor. Right, because yeah. you have banners all around. We're very late on on getting that out this year. Our sponsor requests. Okay, and uh, so the, with the hospital's uh, expansion project, yeah, they've done such a wonderful job with. They were so so many balls in the air with that project that the committees were late getting off the ground this year. So our sponsorship was good, but it, it'll be better next year because mm-hmm. we'll have a. Uh, an earlier target date on getting all of our information out to prospective sponsors. Okay. But yeah, they still, I mean, there's still obviously room to always take oh, yeah. money from yeah. the business, <laughs> certainly. Yeah, and it's on the website. They can do that, but it's... Uh, and volunteers, right? But yeah, oh, volunteers. We really do need some additional volunteers. So if you did have time, either on the 14th of October, which is a Saturday, or the 15th, which mm-hmm. is the event day, uh, we please just get a hold of uh, you know the Jones Memorial because the chamber doesn't do it anymore Jones does correct it. Yeah. yeah Jones and all the all the proceeds all the net proceeds from the from the Ridgewalk and Run go right back into their wellness projects and yep. their wellness programs and like the wag trail the yeah. bridges on the wag trail the route underneath the 417 out mm-hmm. by Riverwalk Plaza, all that was done with some of the, I mean, all the Ridgewalk money is used for it. And that helps to offset the cost yeah. of, uh, of doing that. But, you know, so 45 bucks the for the, for, yes, everything, it, it all does. The 5K trail run, 35 bucks now. And is that yeah. per, so like, is there like an age limit before they have to pay or so if like. Uh, kids, yeah, kids, I, I think under. Kids under ten are free. Yeah, as I recall, I think it's ten. It's 10 but, that's yeah. good. So the parent, it, it'll be a little more incentive for the parents to. Like, oh okay, yeah. The parents oh can pay. yeah. 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 And whenever I, my wife and I do something, I'm like, okay, the price is a little like this. Was, I'm not talking about this, but if mm-hmm. the price is, I think, is a little high, I'm like, what is it going towards? Right. And yeah. then I see that it's going all back into either some charity or community. People and and bless the chamber. I mean, it was mm-hmm. great. The chamber ran it for up till 2014. We had a great relationship, but it was a little harder to explain where the money was going when yeah. it was with the chamber. When you go to a prospective sponsor like WKBW in Buffalo, mm-hmm. they'd say, where's the money going? They'd say, well, it's our Chamber of Commerce's main fundraiser. It goes right back into the businesses in Wellsville to promote business in our community. Yeah. But it was always a little bit tougher than the hospital where it's all wellness. Yeah. It goes 100% of the proceeds go right back into 
the wellness projects at the hospital. And it makes sense. Yeah. And, and it's really uh, an excellent fit. Yeah. You know, it's just, uh, but yeah, it's it's exciting to still be, you know, and, and you know, the marketing is still a lot of fun with it. Trying, yeah. Trying to reach way out of Wellsville to get those participants. That's what is a lot of fun to try to get. The Rochester, Buffalo area people. Because runners like a challenge, and the runners and the walkers and too. It's, it's yeah. beautiful. I mean, yeah. you, so was it? Was it always in October during the yeah. loop change? Or my so belief was? was you wanted to after when I first designed the concept for it. I said you want it after most of the other big fall events are yeah. toasted, you know, like the Ellicott Bill. Uh, you know, Garlic Fest didn't mm-hmm. exist at the time, but. But, you know, a lot of the big events, the fall events, are in the first two weeks of October. So the third weekend, it's always on the third Sunday, is a little dicey with the weather because uh, you never know what you're going to get. It's it's like a Green Bay football game. You have no idea what you're going to get. But it's paid off through the years because a lot of those events are over. And uh, it's it, it's worked out. And uh, uh, Sunday instead of Saturday, we still stick with that. Yeah. Uh, there are a lot of kids' activities on Saturdays. And, but also with the, you know, the Artisans Tour the same weekend this year, it's not always the same. But it's it, it, it it's a nice reason to come to the Southern Tier, a nice reason to come to Wellsville. There's no reason people can't say there's nothing right. to do on that weekend. And we, we really <laughs> take a state park environment. I, I mean, we have created with Ridgewalk really the most beautiful state park quality trail. It's gorgeous. It's only for a day, yeah, yeah, because it's not really on public land, but it's about as pretty as it gets. And we've created that with these graciousness of the landowners mm-hmm. for a day. And uh, so... We just encourage people, come on and see what Allegheny County is really about, because this is gorgeous. Well, with that, Rich, I just want to thank you so much for coming on. I was well, I was super excited for well, this episode, and I, I love a, hearing all the old stories. And I was excited to be asked. I was, uh, <laughs> I've been looking forward to this date ever since a couple of weeks ago there when you asked me. And I thought, I don't know what I'll talk about, but I, I said if it's question and answer, I can talk for quite a long time. Yeah. And you are you are truly a community legend. Um, oh. I don't know a single person that doesn't know you, and, and I don't know a I single know. person that that doesn't appreciate everything that you've done in your life. Oh, I just, uh, you and Gwen with uh, I just want, to, and my wife is my strongest advocate. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is the one that's allowed me to be able to go off and do some of these crazy things I've done, but also been my biggest supporter and uh, the love of my life. And, uh, you know, um, I'm, I just cannot say enough how much it is to be able to love somebody on that level for f- over 50 years, 52 yeah. years now, you know, it's a blessing. And I, I truly believe it's a divine blessing. Is there anything you'd like to say to the community? Just thank you all. Anybody that's listened for this long, to Rich Shear for crying out loud, but I just want to say thank you, uh, Wellsville, for allowing both my wife and I to be have such a wonderful life here, and to be able to to be able to um, help people where we can, and just please give us the the, the grace to be able to continue to do it. Thank oh. you. We're not going to let you go anywhere anytime soon, man. Thanks, man. Thanks, Rick. Appreciate it. Oh, let's shake. Yes. COVID's over. Here we go. That's right. (laughs) Exactly.